It's 2050, what's powering your town? The wind's not breezy, the sun is down. You're miles away from any dam or thermal spring. There's no coal, no natural gas or oil or shales or anything. What's powering your home and your bilingual robot cat? Let's chat. Welcome, this is episode one of Battery Chattery. My name is Hope Wilson. And I'm Anna Rigney. Um, I'm a materials science grad student at UT Austin. I do, I, my research is battery focused. My research is not battery focused, nor is it anything related, because I study psychology at the University of Texas at Austin, <laughs> and I have no qualifications for being here other than I know Hope Wilson. Anna has the most qualifications for being here, because she's going to call me out when I say things that don't make sense. That is, or or just ask questions That's to fair. get more information. <laughs> I think you always make tons of sense. Oh, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, fun fact about this moment in time. We previously recorded this part of this podcast, but I deleted the first four minutes because um, I'm great at audacity. Which is, by the way, the program we're using to record yeah, this podcast. Yeah, so true. So true. Yeah. And so... round two here we go so this podcast is about batteries and we figured we'd just take this first episode to talk about why they matter and why you should care and Um, we decided to call this episode battery mattery right yeah okay battery chattery mattery or battery mattery (laughs) i could go either way okay i like both okay (laughs) um so let's think about renewable energy for a second Specifically, let's think about wind and solar energy. These energy sources are, their their big drawback is that they're so variable, like you can't control when the energy comes in. And there's, there's certainly other renewable energy options where you don't have this problem, like nuclear energy. But you have the issue of what to do with the waste afterward. Yeah. <laughs> nuclear is not perfect, but... And then there's like people being freaked out by Chernobyl and stuff. Yes. Sorry. That no, you're totally right. Like and probably rightfully freaked out. Like I don't blame people for wanting to be safe. <laughs> it's a basic fundamental human being. Yeah, I don't I don't have <laughs> a don't problem with that. that. No. <laughs> this um, is how the psychology gets waved in. <laughs> but uh but yes, nuclear is a um a carbon free source of energy that that you can you can keep a constant generation for, unlike solar and wind, which like they come in when they come in. But they also don't uh, produce any waste. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping truth bombs over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So. So picture a town for a second that's entirely run on solar energy, just solar energy. There's no like transmission of energy coming in from anywhere else it's just this town is running on solar energy and it doesn't have any way to store that energy what this means is that your town's gonna run just fine in the afternoon when it's sunny probably in the morning also just like as long as it's not cloudy it's your town is running just fine and then at night everything shuts down is nighttime when you need to use the most energy, or is it afternoon? It's like afternoon, evening. My guess would be evening time, or like when people are at home and the sun has gone down. Yeah. So basically, 
this is my guess, so I don't know. You're the expert on the energy. But my guess is that... <laughs> this is not the part of energy that I know okay. things about. Well, still more of an expert than I am. But my guess is that you have this issue of inconsistent energy when you probably need it most. Totally, yeah. Or, I mean, in the case of solar, you know, not only inconsistent energy, but just no energy when you still need it. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of things that need to be running 24-7, which, like, like hospitals. Sure. And, uh, yeah. So, so even if you take that town and you throw wind into the mix, you're still, like, you only have power when it's either sunny or windy or both. So, like, if it's nighttime and the wind is not happening, then your, your video games aren't happening. Which is the worst problem. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's the most important consequence. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the hospitals, I'm pretty sure. Um... Basically, I think what we're trying to say is that you need something to store. You need to be able to store that energy when it's being produced the most, or when it's come like most available yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. So, just to summarize the idea of this section, if you want a city to run fully on renewable energy resources, but you're kind of scared of nuclear and you live in a location that isn't great for like geothermal or hydroelectric you need storage. You need to be able to store excess energy coming in so that later when there isn't energy coming in, you can put that stored energy back into the grid and use it. And the upshot of this is, if we're going to transition to a world that runs 100% unclean renewable energy, storage is going to be a really important tool for getting us there. And that to me is kind of the heart of the idea that batteries are going to help us build a better world. Is this where we talk about duck curves? I really like duck curves. Yeah. I found out about duck curves a week ago, and it's now my favorite thing ever. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about duck curves. Um, so, so there's a thing called the duck curve, which my understanding is it's sort of um, so it's sort of the total the total like electricity load of a city or like whatever you're looking at minus wind minus solar. So it's like how much like like if you if you're like a power plant who's mostly running a town but there's also like a bunch of residential solar in the town then it's it's just kind of like whatever you as a power plant need to be producing. So it's it's the energy needs of the town but like minus the solar because the solar energy that's coming in is taking care of needs as it comes in. Um so so what a duck curve is is it's like that power versus time over the course of a day. And so we were power talking... Power needed or power generated? Power... Power needed... P- power generated by the sort of power plant I was talking about. Okay. But like, yeah, like power needed if you consider that everything covered by solar is already covered. Okay. Okay. So we were talking about like peak energy usage earlier. Um, and I, I think generally how this goes, and it, it varies depending on like season and where you live... But um, there's, there's, like, a morning ramp where, like, you need a little more power, like, starting, like, after you wake up, I guess, um, generally speaking. And then it just kind of rises throughout the day. It peaks around, like, late afternoon, early evening, generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think, that's like you were said, that's kind of when people are getting off of work and, like, middle of the day is, like, you've got a lot of AC running, probably, if it's hot out, which mm-hmm. it probably is if, you're, if it makes sense for your city to have a lot of solar power. It certainly is in this city. What? It certainly is in this city. Yeah. 
sunny Austin, it's, Texas. It's currently, it's not hot summer. all the time. Everyone, actually, there's we got we got like a hurricane going on right now. But yeah, we could die at any moment. Basically, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> We're fine. We're probably fine. It's just raining. Um, Until the hurricane actually comes. <laughs> Though we're many miles inland, so yeah. it seems unlikely. It's mostly going to miss us. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? Sorry, you were describing a duck curve. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. So so the, how, how the electricity needs work is there's like a morning ramp, and then like it ramps up till the afternoon, evening, and then it goes back down again. Um, so that's not thinking about solar at all. But when you, um, when you include like the energy that solar is providing and you kind of subtract that from the curve, what you get is like the middle of the day kind of scoops down and is flat for a little bit because that's, uh, that's when solar is generating a lot of power. And then uh, the need ramps up again as like you're still going towards the peak energy needed for the day, but the solar is ramping down because it's getting darker outside. So the problem with the duck curve, because it it's a problem, when the power ramps up really quickly, when you have less solar coming in but still needing a lot of power, that's an issue because A, you need to have the capacity to provide that peak amount of power, and B, it's kind of hard to like go from small amount of power to large amount of power quickly. Um, so I think a, a typical solution for that right now is like natural gas, and they call them peaker plants. Um, and they're really just for like, you ramp them up real quick and like, then you have a lot of power. So it's hard to go from low, like providing a low amount of energy to providing a high amount of energy in a short period of time. Yeah. Why is that? Um, or is that a really complicated question? (laughs) Let me think about it for a sec. Um, I guess it's, I mean, if you think about like a car, okay, like if you think about, like, you want a car to go from, like, zero to 100 miles per hour in the shortest amount of time possible, that's, like... You need more horsepower. I guess, yeah. You don't you don't drive, but you have... Have you ever drive. driven a stick? What? I do drive stick. Okay. My understanding is that if you're, like, in a lower gear and trying to go faster, you actually get more power. So if you want to speed up really quickly, you need to stay in that lower gear. But I also don't understand how transmission works, so I don't know if that analogy helps us here at all. That's entirely fair. I don't know either. Um, I've just derailed this conversation. No, no. Okay. Um, But yeah, a thing about that is you can incorporate storage with these natural gas power plants. So like you can use them together and... I think the deal is, like, if you don't have the storage there, you kind of have to keep the plant, like, rumbling low all day so that you can then ramp it up later, and it's a total waste of resources because it's just, like, running all day even when you don't need it. Mm -hmm. But then, like, if you have, I guess, a lot of storage, you can just, like, use that energy to start it up. Okay. I think that's how this works. So basically you need a little bit of energy to get a lot of energy kind of quickly. I guess. Like, it's harder to stop from, start from nothing yeah. than to start from, like, a little bit of something. I think that's correct, yes. This feels, like, personally true, right? <laughs> like, it's much easier to, like, continue doing something yeah. than to start doing something. There's, like, Once inertia. Once you lie down, like, you're probably not going to do the dishes like you said you were. Oh, yeah. But, like, if you're already standing, it's like, well, okay. That's why I just don't sit down when I get home until I've done all the things <laughs> I need to do. That's so impressive. It's, I mean, it doesn't work every day. <laughs> but... <laughs> how i aim to do it that's great love it (laughs) so the like basic laws of inertia yeah basically 
it's easier to continue than to start. Yeah. Cool. That's, yeah. (laughs) I've been talking about how storage can help when it's installed as part of a peaker plant, but I forgot to mention that storage can also exist separate from the peaker plant and still help out with the duct curve. If you store some amount of solar energy as it's coming in, then the dip in the duct curve will not be as deep, and you can keep running your regular non-peaker power plants at their normal load. This means later, when you start getting less solar, the ramp up to peak power won't be as steep and therefore won't be as difficult to manage. In addition, you can use that stored energy during the time of peak energy demand, which reduces the height of that peak and makes the ramp even more manageable. So this is an example of how storage can kind of counteract the drawbacks of solar energy and ease the transition into a world that uses renewable energy more heavily. Oh, I don't think I explained why the duck curve is called what it's called. I think it's that like, so during when the solar is going, you've got this like kind of flat, low curve, but then suddenly it ramps up and supposedly that looks like, I guess the ramp is the duck's neck. And head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or, oh, so like when it plateaus at the top is where like it sort of gets to be the head part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it could be like any animal that has a neck and a head and yes. a body. Like, <laughs> come on. The, the lamb curve. Yeah. They have. It's a real big ramp. It's the giraffe curve. <gasps> That's exciting. <laughs> I like ducks. Ducks are pretty cute. They are pretty cute. We'll stick with duck curve. Okay. Just because <laughs> I'm not allowed to change the name of things in your field of research. Oh. We'll get you a permit. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, so the current energy landscape, I think certainly everyone's got their their thoughts on like, you know, in the future, like 100% renewables will probably happen at some point. Maybe like too far away to worry about it. Maybe not. I mean, I personal opinion, I think it should happen as soon as possible. Yeah, I know it's difficult. But anyway, um... I just want, I have, I have a statistic. <laughs> I love statistics. <laughs> Where is it? Where's my statistic? While you're looking for that, I was going to say, have we talked about how Amarillo is like almost exclusively run on, I think it's wind power? Amarillo? Oh, yeah. in Texas? Yeah. I, 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 my first thought was the song. Do you know it? The song? There's a song about Amarillo. It's really good. The, the music video is really good <laughs> It's just this this guy, like, he's got a green screen behind him, which is showing all this landscape, but he's just, like, jogging on a treadmill, like, on his way to Amarillo. It's very heartwarming. We'll have to watch that later. Ah, Sounds exciting. (laughs) It is. Okay. Uh, The statistic I was looking for. So I've been reading a lot of utility dive articles, and uh, one article said, in our recent 2017 sector survey, only 5% of utility... Utility professionals said their business model does not need to evolve, while 90% said they are exploring new business opportunities around distributed energy resources. So basically, energy purveyors are well aware of the fact that they need to... Things are a-changing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and, like, storage is a big part of that. Like, it's, it's real expensive right now is why we're not just, like, implementing it all the time, mm-hmm. but, like... It's getting cheaper, and even even as it is, like, people are installing it. Just not a ton of it. So, yeah, we've got, like, storage programs being encouraged by state governments right now. Um, That's cool. Uh, states that have passed some form of legislation to encourage energy storage include California, Oregon, Maryland, Nevada, and Massachusetts. And I think 
think New York is maybe on its way, or maybe it did already, or maybe the legislation didn't pass, but something. Maybe by the time you hear this, it will have passed. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's already passed by the time we're talking about it, and I just didn't Google it. <laughs> yeah. So so I should say that um, storage has, like, a lot of roles that it can play on the grid. Um, there's... <laughs> gonna edit out so much it's gonna be so great <laughs> it's okay i probably shouldn't have sang earlier i'm gonna have to edit that out <laughs> i don't think we're saying anything particularly important at the time anyway <laughs> wait what were you saying about amarillo so i have a friend from amarillo and she was explaining to me that the, there are lots of wind farms in that area um i guess because it's a optimal place for wind farms and that most of amarillo is run on wind power nice um i think it's I'm imagining it's much cheaper than, like, fo- like burning fossil fuels yeah. and other more traditional forms of... Yeah. No, I think Texas as a whole is, just, like, really moving towards wind power and... Which always amazes me. Like, from the, like, political perspective, yeah. how conservative Texas is. No, absolutely. Is. It's because the money makes sense. Yeah. The money makes sense and also, I mean, this is, like, a little off topic, but I think Texas is a little bit more blue than people want to think or realize i i've heard that's true like i've i've heard that it's it's what someone said is it's not a red state but it has a lot of like voter suppression issues yeah yeah gerrymandering and even further off topic apparently i don't think it's our current district that we're recording this from but an adjacent district um by a there was an appeals court situation and basically it was found that the gerrymandering that's going on is not constitutional oh really yeah so it's gonna change uh, I, I hope so. Is that like, is that like, like Austin's representatives in Congress type yeah, thing? Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> Austin has like, how many representatives do we have? I don't even know. It's absurd. Like, and, and like e- each district like stretches all the way to some other city. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But basically at, at some point recently, some court was like, this isn't okay, guys. Okay, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we're making progress in the direction of not making Texas look more red than it actually is. Yeah. You know what? Accuracy is important. I, I believe so. But I, Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I forget what I was looking up. Okay. Sorry. No, it's totally fine. Um, okay. So storage. It can act like generation. Like, you know, if you store energy, then later you can use it like energy generation. Um, it can also act like... Sorry, what do you mean by energy generation? Like, um, just like producing energy. So storage can, for practical purposes, appear as if it's generation of energy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How are those things different? I don't know how to explain that question. I guess, you, you, how is like generation different? Like, if, why is, why is, why am I saying, like, technically it's generation instead yeah. of, like, it's totally generation? I mean, you know, I guess it is. It, okay. it generates energy. It's just you have to put the energy into it first, but I guess that's... Okay. Yeah, you're right. It's a, it generates energy. <laughs> um, but you can also... So you can use it for multiple things. You can use it as generation. You can use it for reliability, which is, like... Um, so if you have, like, peaks of, like, wind power or solar power, you can kind of smooth that out by, like, oh, like, it's peaking, like, store that, um, smooth it out, that makes things easier. There's also, there's something called frequency regulation, which I just read about this morning, which I was, I've been meaning to Google for weeks, I finally Googled it this morning. So what happens is, 
in a given country, probably, you have a certain frequency that your power is supposed to be at. So, like, 50 hertz, 60 hertz. Mm -hmm. And it's a problem if you're generating at, like, slightly less or more than that frequency, which could happen if, like... So, basically, if supply and demand are mismatched. So, say you have a turbine that's providing power and suddenly demand increases, but more fuel isn't immediately supplied to the turbine, then the frequency will decrease. Basically, the the spinning of the turbine will slow down a little bit and the frequency will decrease a little bit. So the idea of incorporating a battery into the system is like the battery can then provide more power to match the demand or it can take in some power if demand decreases suddenly. Um, and in this way, the battery can be used to match up supply and demand and keep the frequency at the value it's supposed to be at. And I think another thing with variability is sometimes you have like voltage changes, um, but you can use energy storage to like sort of get those back on track. Which is pretty cool. I don't know how it does that. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> Storage is amazing, everyone. Um, so that's that's what I mean by reliability. But yeah, another part of sort of the, the evolution of utility stuff right now is um, like policy kind of needs to change a little bit. And I'm, I'm no expert. But just as an example, there's a Texas wires company, Encore, which is uh, like transmission and distribution. That's what it's classified as. And transmission and distribution utilities are not allowed to own resources that act as generation, and that includes storage. But given that storage can be used as, like I was saying, grid reliability, other functions, um, it's kind of like, you know, it's a bummer that T&D utilities can't use them. But I think Encore was pushing for like a bill in the Texas legislature to allow it to own storage facilities, but um, then like kind of, so it would use the storage as like grid reliability stuff. And then at the times when it didn't need that, it could auction off that capacity to other utilities for generation. Um, there's also- So we back up. So it sounds like there are different companies in like the energy realm yeah. that yeah. I guess generate and then distribute. Yeah. Okay. I did not realize that. That seems it's unnecessary. complicated out there. <laughs> okay. I, I can't even, I can't say it's unnecessary or necessary. I, I, it's all really complicated. Okay. So there might be a good reason. There totally. Yeah. Okay. No, absolutely. I'm sure there is. Okay, but basically, they're not even allowed to store energy because it could act as a generator. Right. So even if they promised Pinky well, Swore not yeah. to use it as a generator of energy. Yeah, I think right now, I think that's why they're pushing for this, um, okay. this whatever legislation is to allow them to do that. Um, okay. But yeah, there's there's also like, I think on the generator side of things, some generator utilities are like, well, maybe we should own the storage and we can like you know, you can bid on, like, the times when we don't need it. Um, so I don't know. Everyone wants the storage. I don't know. But, yeah, so that's that's fun. Just just policy stuff needs to be updated. How, how are you feeling, Anna? Do you, do you have more questions about that? So, no, I don't think so. 
Okay. So basically what we've covered is that storage is important. Yes. And that people are moving in the direction of more storage. Yeah. And there are lots of changes that need to happen in order for it to like actually be yeah. actualized. Actually be actualized. <laughs> yeah. Really be actualized? Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there seems like there are maybe barriers to it being actualized. Yeah. And one of them is cost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But it doesn't... I'm just confused about the incentives part. Like, what are the incentives to move in that direction? Just that that is a more sustainable form? Yeah. I mean, okay. So, if... I guess I I, I don't know if... So, incentives right now. So, reasons that utilities are picking up storage. um, I guess... So, like I was saying, they can... They, they can provide all these different functions, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, even, like, even if you have a natural gas power plant, sometimes it's economical to, like, add storage to it. Okay. Um, so even if people aren't installing, like, storage-only setups, like, it's still getting installed right now. I guess I can't imagine why it wouldn't be economical if you have moments where you have an abundance of energy being produced mm-hmm. or generated why in any universe it wouldn't be economical to store that that's such yeah <laughs> for I mean, later use i guess really just like if if the cost up front for all that storage is too much then like they're not gonna do it i guess that's fair you need to do like a cost analysis sort of thing yeah <laughs> i will say i i read an article like a year ago about how um germany had this this one day where they were producing so much energy because like they've got a ton of solar and stuff over there mm-hmm. they were producing so much energy they were having to pay people to use it Really? Yeah. Because they couldn't store it. I guess. That's crazy. <sighs> you want to move to Germany? <laughs> Let's go. Sweet. Okay, so you you did mention that storage is important, so I'm glad I feel like we accomplished the goal of this podcast. <laughs> I do want to um, talk for a second about other forms of storage, because obviously batteries are not the only form of storage, or maybe not obviously. No, I don't think that's obvious because oh. I would just assume that anything that stores energy is a battery. That's fair. <laughs> what is what makes a battery a battery? Is it just having the? Is it an anode and cathode? Is that the like? <laughs> can we like actually push it back up? What is a battery? <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, so we'll we'll get more into this in future episodes. But basically, a battery is something that stores energy chemically. Okay. So, um, as an example of something that isn't a battery. There's pumped storage, which is is basically like you've got two reservoirs. One is higher up than the other one. Mm-hmm. And when you have energy coming in, you use that energy to pump the water in the lower reservoir to the up higher to the reservoir. High- okay. Yeah. And then you generate energy by it going down naturally? Yeah. I get, okay. Well, like yeah. gravity creates energy? Yeah. So okay. like when you need the energy. I think there's like a turbine in there somewhere. So like the water comes back down. It's basically just like a, you know, I guess they generate with dams and... Like water falling over the dam. I think it's the same kind of deal. And so this stores energy. It's like potential energy because the there's more water at the top. That yeah. Can come down. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's using potential energy. Like, um, I guess you just call it gravitational potential energy. Okay. As opposed to chemical potential energy. Okay. So. And like chemical potential energy is like having, if I remember correctly <laughs> from my chemistry many years ago, uh, like a cell where there is positively charged material and a cell where there's negatively charged material. I'm sure it's a little bit more complicated than that. <laughs> I'm not going to sign off on what you just said. That's fair. <laughs> um, I will say, okay. 
So just speaking about chemistry in the most general terms, if you have a system, maybe there's a couple of different places that system could be in. There's like a higher energy state and a lower energy state. Okay. And it wants to go to the lower energy state. And so batteries are all about like you create a high energy state by putting ions on one side of a battery, if I can be real, like, simple about it. Like, you push some ions to one side of a battery, and you, like, push some electrons along with it, and then they're in their, like, uncomfortable place. But they can't get back. Mm-hmm. But then when you let them go back to where they By are... By, like, putting it in a circuit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then they're generating energy okay. for you. So that's also... That's chemical potential energy. Yeah. As opposed to gravitational potential energy. Yeah. Cool. All right. So there are... Batteries aren't the only way to store energy. Right. Just something I did not know until today. That's awesome. We're learning. <laughs> oh. um, another thing that's cool. Um, do, do you know about like solar thermal plants? I do not. Okay. So this is where basically you've got a bunch of mirrors concentrating the sun into one place. Okay. And that one place where you're concentrating them, you've got a bunch of some kind of salt there. And you just you just heat up the salt, and event it, I guess it's molten salt. When you say salt, you don't mean like table salt. I don't you mean, mean table like salt. chemical salt. Yeah. Okay. Chemical salt. <laughs> I guess table salt is technically chemical. So salt, true. But it's a very specific kind of yeah. chemical salt. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so you've got this like molten salt tower, and you're mm-hmm. concentrating all this energy towards it, and so you're like heating it up, and I think the heat from the sun mirror, like the mirrors that are directing the uh, sun rays to the salt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then that like that heated salt, that's where the energy is stored. It's just because it's hot. I, I think how you actually use it is you use, you make steam with it or something and you power a turbine, but, and you know, then it's cold again and you have to heat it up again. I, it never gets cold. I, I think the deal with these is like the salt is always molten. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always really hot, but you can make it hot enough to generate energy. So that's, that's crazy. Yeah. What's that called? Solar thermal? Yeah, so like a solar thermal plant. One example, I think there's one in the U.S. called the Crescent Dunes plant. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if also if you look up molten salt storage, that's what you'll find. Okay. I definitely want to talk about at least one more kind of storage. Okay. Which is flywheel storage, which okay. I didn't know about till a few days ago. That sounds made up. Flywheel storage. I know! It does! <laughs> it's literally just spinning like you have something spinning and that's how is that different than like i don't even know what they're called i'm trying to think of the word for it but like i'm thinking of like an old tiny cabin with like that wheel that goes around with the water falling into it oh how is that different so i guess is that's with running water right yeah yeah so this would there's no running water involved okay so it's just like you have a thing and i guess at some point you start it spinning and I, I think even when it's, like, at rest, when it's not providing you any power, it's still spinning. Okay. But, the, like, you input power into it, and then it spins faster, and then you can get the power back out by, like, slowing it down. Okay. Um, and I think what I was reading is this This is kind of hard to work with, because you need, to, like, it needs to all be calibrated perfectly. If it's, like, off-axis a little bit, then, like, the friction, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't want to keep spinning perfectly. Right? Okay. Because of friction and thermodynamics, basically. <laughs> um, but something I read was that someone, like, applied, like, gyroscope principles to this thing. Okay. And that made it, like, I, I don't know how it works. I wish I did. 
to be discussed in a future podcast. I would love to. When we learn more. <laughs> or maybe I will never learn more because that's not my area of... Expertise. Yeah. You're a battery gal. I'm a battery gal. That's cool. I didn't... I, uh, I'm. My mind is a little bit blown that things that are... Store, store energy are not necessarily batteries. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. That's cool, though. Yeah. All right. So... Different forms of storage. Flywheel. Solar thermal plants. Mm-hmm. Batteries. What was the second thing we talked about? Uh, pumped storage. Is pumped that storage, it? yeah. I think there's also, like, compressed gas. So, like, you just compress gas a bunch and then somehow, like, letting it decompress provides energy. Alright. There's... It's funny. There's actually, like... <laughs> if you look it up, there's a ton of, like, very just engineering-heavy solutions of, like, yeah, let's just... This is this is a real one. Let's like have a big train on a train track and when the energy's coming in you push it up the train track and when it you know, when you need energy you let it come back down the train track. And like solutions like that are like it does not seem very efficient. I or like workable. I suspect not efficient. I think you're right. Also just um uh location dependent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same with the um the pumped storage, so like, you know, if if you need two, like, big reservoirs. Um, so, so yeah. So, basically, all these storage things have their upsides and downsides, right? Some are workable, feasible. It's Yeah, like you were saying, location-dependent. Yeah. So, you got location-dependence. You've got, like, how, like, can you install it sort of small scale? Yeah. Or, like, could you install it in someone's backyard? Like, you could, you could totally just, like, kind of install a solar and battery set up in someone's, like, probably very large backyard and then just have them be able to power their home. Um, mm-hmm. You couldn't install a molten salt thermal plant in someone's backyard. Oh, those are expensive, by the way. Yeah? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they don't sound cheap. <laughs> but, you know, I think, like, they're... Hopefully hopefully the one, that, like, the Crescent Dunes when I was talking about, I was reading, it seemed like they were expecting it to last a good long time, so the investment was worth it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a big project. And yeah, I don't know about flywheels. I feel like I've read, you can have that in just like a refrigerator shape thing. I don't know how much it can store, but it seems like that's kind of a reasonable thing to keep in the house. So this is maybe a little bit off topic. Uh, my understanding, doing a little bit of historical discussion, uh, my understanding is like the when electricity was being sort of brought to people's homes, there was like a debate between AC and DC. Yeah. Um, and that people on the side of DC were trying to claim that AC was really dangerous, but I think AC eventually went out partly because, um, if you had used DC to power entire cities, you would need like little power plants all over the place. Is that correct? You maybe know more about this than I do. Okay. Well, I think I watched some like murder mystery show (laughs) set in that era where like, Tesla was a character, and yeah. this is, like, where I'm getting my knowledge. Yeah, I think that's that's a fun thing, right? Because I think Edison, whatever side of the debate he was on... I think... I, I, I can't remember which way, who was on which side, <laughs> but they were, like, mortal enemies. Enemies. Because Edison's the worst. He sounds like a big dick, but to be fair, Tesla <laughs> also seemed to, like, kind of an asshole. Oh, okay. But, I don't um, know about that. <laughs> At least he didn't, like, murder animals in the process of, like, demonstrating that AC current was bad. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. (laughs) Um, But I guess my understanding is that one of the 
um, downsides to DC is I keep wanting to say DC current, but that is not not right. It's oh, DC. you're right. That is redundant. I was gonna let you do it, and that's okay. <laughs> I stopped myself. Um, so my one of my understandings is that you couldn't. Um, AC is much easier to uh, store and like send over long distances as opposed to DC, where you'd have to have like closer power plants. So you're talking about, sorry, the connection I'm making is that like you're talking about different forms of storing energy and like talking about, like you said, flywheels could fit in the size of a refrigerator. So that'd uh-huh. be easy. But it seems like it's also really inefficient if you're trying to like power, a, you know, a huge city mm-hmm. to make everybody have their own. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Maybe. I don't know. With power storage. It's a different, different <laughs> game. So I guess... Does everything kind of get converted to DC when it reaches houses? Is that how things work? Or is it just all AC all the time? <laughs> uh, I thought it was AC, but I'm not sure. Okay. Well, I'm not sure either, so maybe I won't pretend to be an expert <laughs> on this. I know, um, so like if you just take a battery and discharge it, it's going to come out as DC. Okay. Solar power is also DC. Okay. Um, I think anything with the turbine is going to be AC, so like wind should be AC. I, I, my feeling is that solar is kind of the main thing that we have that is DC. Okay. The like main generating thing. Cool. Yeah, fun fact. <laughs> I don't really know w- what to do with it, but it's fun. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of a fun fact. You don't have to do anything with it. <laughs> good point, good point. Yeah. Sometimes things can just be fun. Um, that's so nice. It's like the little uplifting moment of this podcast. Because <laughs> um, the rest of it was such a downer. Oh, definitely. Especially that part about flywheels. Um, <laughs> all right. So so what, what you're suggesting is like one possible direction moving forward is that people can have their own little stores of energy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think... Ultimately, just generally speaking, if everyone has their own thing, that's kind of inefficient. Like, you, it's good to, like, be able to manage it all. Like, if someone yeah. has a little extra power and their neighbor doesn't, like, it's good to maybe just, ha- you know, maybe it would be better to just, like, have it all in one place. But I think there's benefits both ways. And um, <laughs> I don't know. If, if you're, like, in a city which isn't really modernizing its grid and stuff and you want to, like send a message and like make your own energy i I guess you know if you're rich you can do that do your own flywheel yeah (laughs) yes this is what i'm taking away from this podcast anna you want to you want to go in on a flywheel (laughs) sure (laughs) do you think it's gonna be easy like the several blocks that we live apart to (laughs) share it i don't think it's gonna be easy (laughs) we'll figure it out um that's i guess let's just close out on this note of like uh, I, I do love batteries, and I want to convince you that they're important, but um, certainly I don't think any one technology is going to, like, you know, be the single most important technology and nothing else matters. I think, you know, there's lots of different kinds of storage, but there's also, like, uh, you were talking before about nuclear generation, which, like, you can control when that generation happens, that or, like, keep it consistent at least, mm-hmm. which is more than you can say for solar and wind, so, you know. That's, that's going to be a really good thing to have moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there's just a lot of things that are going to be good to have moving forward. Um, that aren't fossil fuels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> there, I, 
they're helpful right now. Yeah, no, I'm... <laughs> we can't just give them up cold turkey. We can't. But probably a good idea to move in a different direction. Definitely. Is, is the underlying theme of this podcast, yeah. I think. At least that's my understanding. <laughs> it's all it's all yours. Yeah. No, I, you know, I think we're moving forward. And I, if I can throw this out there, I think sometimes people want to be real hopeless about, um, especially, I, I think we've been talking about this in kind of abstract terms. Like, why do we want renewable generation? Like, certainly reduction of pollution is a big deal. Like, pollution's like, uh, causes a lot of health problems and it'd be great to take care of that. But also, like, bigger picture climate change. Um, oh, I forget where I was going with this. Uh, people are hopeless. Yeah. yeah. People are often hopeless, and they're like, you know, we can't we can't turn things around in time. And I, I think if you f- feel that way, um, I, I think that's a valid fear. But I also think pay attention to what's happening because there's a lot of good news happening all the time. That's cool. The psychologist in me wants to point out that people have always been obsessed with the end of the world. (laughs) Okay. And that we have intense anxieties about our own mortality. And so we probably tend to latch on too much to the possibility of, like, everything going to shit. Totally. But we've been around for a long time. And for the most part, things haven't gone completely to shit. Mm-hmm. We we keep marching forward. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a um, kind of a, a concept I like, which I read about in a book called Hope in the Darkness by Rebecca Solnit, which is like optimism is where you're like everything's gonna be fine, so I don't need to do anything. Pessimism is like everything's gonna be terrible, so there's no point in doing anything. Yeah, and hope is. <laughs> I know. That's why I so bought the book. The I was like, hope in the dark. I'm <laughs> buying that book. It's about me. Um, hope means you you take action, basically. Yeah. You're like, you think that the action is worthwhile, even like regardless of whether you're going to fix things or not. You think that taking action is worthwhile. That's really cool. Yeah. That's a good message. <laughs> I like it. Did you have any other thoughts? Actually, can I read a quote? Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, what day is it? It's, the, it's August 19th, 2017. Um, just to put this in historical context, I just wanted to read something um, from the executive director of Citizens Climate Lobby, uh, which I think is sort of relevant to us right now, just because like, we're here talking about like what's important and what's not important. Um, or I guess, I don't think we've, said much isn't important. Anyway, we're here talking about what's important, um, and we're focusing very heavily on tech and on sort of the environment and climate, but I just want to read this quote real quick. Um, So, political will for a livable world. That's our slogan here at Citizens Climate Lobby. Most of the time, when we talk about a livable world, we mean a world that has a stable, healthy climate for everyone to enjoy. But today, we'd like to take a moment and say very clearly that a livable world is also one where everyone can live in freedom and safety. The bigotry on display by white nationalists in Charlottesville, Charlottesville has no place in the livable world we're moving toward. The quote was by Mark Reynolds, CCL's executive director, if I didn't say that already. I think I did. Um, so, you know, we talk about tech, but uh, tech is also, like, we're not going to make a better world by tech alone either. Yeah. 
that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you have anything to add, or you want to sign out? Um, no, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Let's chat again, listeners. <laughs> About batteries. <laughs> About batteries. If that wasn't clear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye.